Welcome to the Vitality Coach Podcast with me, your host, Nikki Fogden-Moore. Join me for celebrity interviews, behind-the-scenes training sessions, combined with practical advice on how you can feel fantastic. Tune in for easy-to-implement tips and tools on healthy food and fitness. Learn how to look and feel your personal best without turning your life upside down. Welcome to Feeling Fantastic. Hi guys, welcome back. It's Nikki Fogdenmore, your Vitality Coach here, and I've managed to wrangle a guru of online marketing and, and living the life that you love, James Shranko, onto the show and talk about a really important topic for me, which is cultivating virtual culture. As we work in an entrepreneurial online environment, most of us listening at the moment have some kind of virtual team or people that we work with remotely, even from a company basis. How do we actually lead our team, become great at what we do and give a quality brief that you really get to build a sustainable, um, a legacy for the business. So James, thank you for coming back. Oh, thanks for having me again. Well, I have to tear you away from the surf all the time. That's okay. I block out my time for these calls. So uh, I've always scheduled the surf in before these calls get scheduled. Exactly. So if you haven't already listened to my previous podcast with James on work-life success and creating the life you want, please hop on after this. It's really great tangible tips and some fresh perspective on the ways that you can actually be accountable to create freedom and make scheduling time, uh, how to set it to advantage. So I want to talk about the next step of that, which is building your dream team. Um, and that means on a personal level with your staff, on a professional level with your staff and an efficiency model. So James, can you tell us a little bit about building a virtual team and why it's so important that you can't do everything yourself? You need to get people on board to play a bigger game. Well, you run out of capacity. That's the short answer. You have about 180 hours a month as an entrepreneur. And most of that time, you'll want to you'll be wanting to spend on your absolute highest value activity, the thing that only you can do and that you do really well and that you're probably world-class at, which means other things have to get done and you're not doing it. That means you're pretty much going to have to find contractors or hire people to do the things so that you can leverage the basically the fact that you can literally buy time. You can buy other people's time. They'll they'll work for you either on a time or a project basis. You pay X money and you get a result back and that can speed up the success that you can have because you can build something that's bigger than what you can create by yourself. And, you know, we spoke before about defining I call it in simple terms a SWOT analysis, your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities to learn new skills and really educate yourself and the areas that you know you need help on right now. So you explained that you needed help and you got someone on board with your article writing and also help desking. So what are the the ways to actually sit down and figure out what resources you need? Uh, Well, you've basically got to figure out what business model you have and what things need to get done. So you might list out every single task that happens in the business. Uh, When we were doing this in a real business and like an offline business, we'd actually pull up a boardroom table. And I'd write down every task in the business on a post-it note. And then I'd write down all the people across the top or the roles that we had. And I'd assign the task to the role. And quite often I'd figure out that some people had virtually nothing to do and other people had too many things to do. And we might move some tasks across to another person. So it's pretty much job specking. It's saying, okay, we need these tasks or these things to run our business. I'm not going to do it myself. So I'm going to have to recruit for that role, or I'm going to have to find a contractor or supplier service to take over this project. And then you move it from the line where it's under you, 
to being under someone else. And that's really the goal. It's to move as many post-it notes from you to someone else. So it's literally, if you're just one person right now in the business, you write down all the tasks you do, one per post-it note, and then you try and move them under an appropriate supplier or employee. And then you now have the role that you need, which allows you to spec out the role in terms of a description and then to recruit for that role. I just love the power of the post-it. I mean, these, I I love the way as well, if you have a post-it per task, you can actually see the volume of tasks that you're doing as, as an entrepreneur and then running your own business. And then you start to see the clusters. And even if you wanted to be uber OCD, I know some of my clients have done this where they've actually color coded sales and marketing, um, customer support, data entry, and things like help desking, um, you know, website development, SEO. They've really almost color coded their tasks and they've started to build little mini virtual teams around those areas of expertise. And they use strategy and, and also support work. Your virtual team don't always have to be a junior level. You can actually decide to connect into higher level coaching online with some really fantastic coaches and that can be part of your own development as well so you know read and learn and listen and think once you've got those tasks down how do you find those people and that's where you come on to doing your due diligence right james and figuring out what service is going to work best for you and finding your virtual team yeah and often that'll be word of mouth most of the world revolves around referral and word of mouth certainly in my zone it does yeah and that's a good starting point if you can find someone who's got a referral or has already had a good experience or got good results, then that's going to be eliminating a lot of the potential risks of a wrong hire. Do you think we could put a couple of links down of um, virtual um, staffing websites and links that we feel offer a credible service and we know that everyone's been paid fairly and um, that maybe in your experience we can give people some direct referrals as well? Uh, I know they can go into superfastbusiness.com and learn about a lot of the stuff, but maybe we can just give them a couple of links that we would recommend. Uh, I really couldn't recommend any. I've never used one of them. Wow. So you've done all your own uh, team hiring directly. Yep. Fantastic. And that's the other thing. So if you do know people in your area or there are people perhaps working part-time around you, you can start local and start by asking experts that you know. Like I know that, James, you asked your temp receptionist to come in and start doing some article writing because she was so proactive. That's right. And I got a help desk through a referral for someone who was helping me with a shopping cart. And then I got one virtual assistant in the Philippines uh, via a friend of mine who had a couple of people over there and he organized for them to specify a role with me and then they put the word out and found me two people to speak to of which I hired one and from that we then hired 60 more. Fantastic. So that's all within your own community. And you guys, you can start that as well. I know one of my clients in rural Victoria, she's running a really, really successful online business and she had to try and find some help. Uh, and she started asking locally and she already hired her first person locally that needed that opposition, that position as well. So it doesn't have to be someone overseas. It can be someone starting local and then working with people that are already using virtual assistants. And let's talk a little bit about building your team and briefing your team because you're only as good as your brief. What, you know, I think one of the things we spoke about before we started recording this podcast is I've heard some stories of people getting really frustrated with their virtual teams, not happy with the quality of work, but not not understanding the culture and the respect that's required to actually brief an assistant for whatever task they're giving you in a clear and concise manner, they can do a great job. What you know, you've yeah. done this for a long time, James. How would you say that you make that a streamlined process? Well, in my case, I tend to hire people and train them myself in the beginning. 
the, the very first ones you'll need to put a bit of effort into. After that, you can have standard operating procedures and then the team, because they have a backup person, can then take over training. They can actually take over recruitment and training. be completely automated. But you do have to put in that effort in the beginning if you want to go down that path of training your own. So I actually hired people who'd never heard of internet marketing, never built a website, didn't know anything about online. And all the people running my search engine optimization business, my website development business, and my publishing arm, they all were pretty much trained in the job with the exception of a couple of coders who, who had been coding, in fact, teaching coding at uh, university. Most people were, were brought in and indoctrinated and trained within. So if you have strong training systems, then it's much easier for you to get tasks done because you're talking the same language. But there are some things people do horrifically wrong, and I think we should probably address some of those. I think that's a great uh, thing. Let's just repeat that. This is things that people do horrifically wrong, and they wonder why things don't work out. Yeah, I think people have this idea that you could just hire a magical uh, remote worker who will automatically know everything, be able to do anything for like a few dollars, and you'll never have to do any more work again and that's just simply not the case it will take you years to develop that kind of culture um, the second thing is you should pay well in there's some misperceptions about pricing and what you can get for the the money and like most things if you're going to pay the minimum you will probably get the lowest bidder and the least able person to do the job so i tend to pay very well with my contractors and I pay on time and I have done for seven years. I've paid every invoice on time or early. Doing little things like paying in their currency can go a long way to making things run smoothly. Knowing that it takes days for money to go from PayPal to their bank account and that they get charged a fee to transfer currency. Uh, so if I put it in their currency, they don't get the fee. If I pay it three days early, then it's in their bank account by the time that it's supposed to be. Those little things remove animosity and uh, cultural challenges. And the other thing, just because they will call you boss or sir, doesn't mean they respect you aside from the formalities. You've still got to earn respect. And uh, one of the things is to be willing to roll up your sleeves and show your team that you're prepared to do things as well as the things that they're doing. But aside from all that, you might not even need a virtual assistant or a direct hire. You, In many cases, small entrepreneurs, like one person or two or three person businesses could probably just be hiring a service, a specialized service provider to do one task on a pay per job basis and then not have the worry of hiring, training, managing, monitoring, protecting against fraud, che checking against reputation and trust issues and all of that. Because let's face it, some people are the worst managers ever. So they're probably better to just go and pay a website development firm like mine to get a website built with full recourse and by a certain time with a certain specific amount and then they get what they pay for versus the open-endedness of being responsible for someone's wage. And it really is a shame when you hire someone and then you have to let them go through um, mismanagement or poor leadership because you can't even keep enough profit that your business can hold that role. And you have a big responsibility when you're hiring people to, uh, to see if you can sustain some stability for them. And I think 
I, I really think I just want to touch on that point of responsibility. Um, that's the thing, and it comes twofold, is that when you start asking people to come and do work for you and you're enthusiastic about your business, you have to plan to create a sustainable business. And that what I always do is I always build slowly with my team. So I don't rush in and you know promise them stacks of hours up ahead. I take time. I try and do videos and get together with my team. You know Whether it's actually even a service that I'm hiring, I always find out who it is that I'm talking to and, and who's going to be my main contact. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're online or you're on Skype, the life is about relationships. And people that are working with you, for you, or on your behalf, you have a relationship with those people and you need to be authentic and put time into making sure that you're being professional, fair, reasonable, and then usually you get that respect back. So you can't rush into these things. Um, you have a responsibility to tick the boxes for yourself as well. And we'll create a little checklist on this podcast that's going to help you maybe sort of get prepared and figure out before you even start hiring someone or hiring a service, what budget do you have? Or what can you actually sit down and calculate that you can actually afford to do as an ongoing basis, even if it's for the next 12 weeks? And then you can review it after 12 weeks and kind of increase that. But be realistic and how much you can afford to spend before you jump in the deep end and you start to get stressed about hiring all these services and you can't pay them. Yeah, we do some exercises like we work out, um, we package services, for example, in one of our businesses. So we can work out how much we sell. We work out how long it takes to deliver a project and we can actually break that down into hours. And then we work out, let's say, a 50% throughput ratio, which means that if we hire someone that we could probably sell 50% of their available work hours, allowing for people to uh, have a day off on annual leave or to have a sick day, uh, communicating with their support desk or being in, in meetings, for example, about half their day might be productive. So we might say that someone has 50% of their labor productive. We could sell that. We can pretty much work out from our sales how many people we need in the business. And we can get indicators as to whether we have too many or too few by running a traffic light system with our daily report. So the manager will send through a traffic light. It'll be green, yellow, or red. And it'll just give us an indication as to how our workload's going based on the volume that we have. Because we run fairly big teams in some cases. Uh, we've had teams of 35 in the search engine optimization side of the business. So you really got to keep a, a handle on your uh, labor capacity if you're scaling up to that sort of level. And if you do have these uh, monitors in place, and I'd call them triggers, when you start selling more, that should trigger a hiring process. And we had one period in the business where we went from two people in our SEO team in September of one year to 35 people by March the following year. So in six months, we scaled very quickly because our business went from uh, $7,000 or so in the first month to close to $100,000 a month just yeah. in that six-month period through effective scaling. And obviously, our marketing was really red hot. Well, I mean, I think I've noticed the same myself with what happens when you when things suddenly kick in and become congruent and you've done all the hard work and that productization is there and the marketing's aligned and people are buying is that you need to plan and all of a sudden you, you might not realize how fast it goes because it, when it does go through that tipping point, it can go fast. And I know myself that this year I've been really scrambling to um, really create my dream team and figure out what I wanted. And the first thing I kept coming back to is, how am I going to get these people to understand what's important to me and, and to put my values across that no matter what we do, we always work as a team. And that's something I want to come back to as well. We've got the formulas that James has got on how you can hire your staff and financially build it, but also on a cultural level, 
um, creating an environment that people feel connected. So how do you do that, James, with your super fast business team? Well, the values should probably be people generated, not entrepreneur leader generated. You can tell them what your values are, but if they don't believe in them or they don't participate or they're not stakeholders, it's not going to matter that much. They might give you it at the face, but deep down, they don't care. So a good process is to, as a team, work out what the values of the business are. Like, what does it mean to work in this company? And you might come up with some core values that define the way that you hire and then lead. And then in some cases, let someone go based on values. So if one of your values is communication and you find people aren't communicating well, then that could be grounds for behavioral correction and in some cases, termination. Or honesty, I'd suggest that that would be a good value to have in an online business because trust is one of the hard-earned things that people really value. When they find a company that delivers on their promise, they tend to refer others and they stick around as a customer. So some core values that that usually pop up will be integrity, communication, um, expert, or, you know, high level professional, that could be a core value. In our case, it is. So if someone's working in our business, they have to be really good. And that means that we wouldn't even hire some of the people we hired five years ago. They wouldn't make it into today's selection criteria because as a company, we've gotten better and better and better in the areas that we're specialized at. So having core values is a great way to to be able to filter or judge where we're at in terms of the way we're operating. And uh, you mentioned a couple of other things that, that are worth coming back on. You wanted to loop back. Yeah, I think we wanted to loop back. I think, you know, sitting down and working out why you need people and how you and actually how you're going to communicate your culture yeah. to them. I think it's really important before you race out and find people. Yeah, and it, look, it could be too important in the beginning because most people are coming at this from a place of desperation. Uh, often they're completely drowned in work and they they take shortcuts. So this is where most of the hiring errors happen. They get too busy. They they hire the first person that they can, even if it's not right. They compromise and they end up with a bad hire, and then they have to replace it. The cost of rehiring is significant. Better off to hire slow and fire fast. If you have a bad fit, don't prolong it. Be better off to do to do without than to have a bad person. And a great way to kill your business is to sell far more than you can deliver and earn yourself a terrible reputation yeah. for delivery. So I'd rather run in overcapacity than undercapacity. Undercapacity is profitable in the short term, but it kills your brand. And overcapacity means you can deliver really quickly at a high level. Even if it costs you a little more in labor, you, you're paying a slight premium in labor to have overcapacity. However, your reputation is impeccable and you, you're able to deliver. And that makes a big difference. So you've got to know your, I uh, call it a marketing capacity seesaw. You've got to know and anticipate where your marketing is driving your um, sales so that you can have enough capacity to deliver. And if there are um, a bunch of projects going on and, and uh, you're getting sucked back into those, then you really should be hiring project managers and leaders. So I have uh, leaders in my business who more or less run the divisions that I'm not that involved with and I want it that way. And I I can get it down to a 10-minute meeting per week to run a whole service business that for many people, they'd be sort of sucked into 40 hours or 50 hours a week. And I keep it to about 10 minutes because I've got a good, strong team of leadership. Yeah. And a lot of that is about giving responsibility So one thing that that most people do wrong is that they don't treat people responsibly and they don't give people trust and responsibility and therefore they don't get it. If you if you treat someone like you don't trust them, then they will probably behave in an untrustworthy way to justify that. 
I give people enormous responsibility and and trust and let them run their own show. And all I ask for them is a daily report. We've created a very risk-free environment where they can make mistakes without fear of losing their job because in a country like the Philippines, losing a job is devastating. There's yeah. really no unemployment benefits. There's no one going to come and scoop them up and, and put them in a house and feed them like they do in Australia. And losing a job is such a severe downside that uh, at times they might do things to cover themselves. And often that will be to put a barrier up between themselves and the boss and not communicate exactly how they feel or not tell you that they don't like the way you run things or not tell you that, that uh, they didn't know how to do something. Because if it means they lose their job, that's a very, very severe situation to place their family in. Because you're not just feeding them, by the way, yeah, you're, feeding you're probably family, feeding yeah. five or six yeah. people per income earner. It's, it's a cultural thing where the primary breadwinner will distribute the funds. They'll be schooling children. They'll be paying for, for grandma. They'll be looking after siblings and probably a parent. So that's just the cultural way. They're very family oriented. So just, just keep in mind that uh, you know, if you hire 10 people, you're probably supporting 60 or 70. And they, they need to know that they can trust you and you need to know that you can trust them. So I, I say, you know what? It's okay if you do something because you thought it was the right thing to do. And even if it turns out it wasn't, you can't lose your job unless you steal from me, uh, you know, or you don't want to work here anymore. Because other than that, um, you know, we've got a good open communication and I, I want you to try because I can't do everything myself and you have to do it on my behalf. And you mightn't get it right all the time, but you will get it right most of the time. And if, if we learn along the way, then we'll make some investments in experience and we'll change the way we do it in the future. So my team are very avant-garde. I mean, they, they've just redesigned my entire website without a brief and updated it and, and run it. And we've had some little niggles here and there on a shopping cart, this or that, or a mobile responsive theme doesn't work on one of the pages, et cetera, and they fix it. I'm not losing my temper about it because I've got a fantastic website that was completely team-driven and they're able to do things and create stuff that I couldn't even brief them to do in the first place. So part of my brief is that there's no full brief. I just tell them what result I'd like and I ask them to figure out how we might get there, do their own research, collaborate, go, go for it, treat it like a Petri dish. And I think what you've done as well is you've managed to take those values and culture and you've instilled that leadership in your team. So, and that's what I've been doing. You try and cultivate people that they can step up and then brief the team below them. And you're creating this, this network of people that are really able to talk up and say when they need help as well. Because if you can say, I put on all my, um, you know, contracts and emails with my team, no question is a bad question. If you want to check anything and you're not sure about anything, just ask. And the most important thing is that open communication as well. So I love that, James. It all comes back to respect, respecting your own time and that you cannot do everything yourself, respecting others that you want to come in and work for you and understanding that you can't just be some big entrepreneurial cowboy and tell them of your great vision if you cannot back that up with structure, process, budgets, and planning. You need to really think like a CEO, plan like a visionary, and act like a Buddha. You need to be kind. You need to be respectful. You need to do your research. And you don't need, you're not defined by the number of people you have working for you. You're defined by the quality of work that you provide to those that 
that hire you. And that is the most important thing. Um, being a successful entrepreneur isn't about showing off that you've got 20 VAs and a, a team of virtual people on lowest paid salaries. It's about making wins together and creating a difference. And I just love those points that you've shared. I didn't, inter- I didn't want to interject or interrupt. I just love the fact that you've been able to really take people through this podcast on a journey of thinking outside the box and being accountable once again and having responsibility for creating a business that's sustainable, that can grow, um, that can handle mistakes. Uh, and I love that. I love the fact that our businesses can handle mistakes. We can handle if someone has to leave because their family is more important than turning up for work. You know, things happen in life. You need to be flexible, agile, and understanding. And if you're authentic in what you do, it'll really help you uh, run a great business and, and be a great leader. And um, I think that's all coming back to cultivating that virtual culture. Yeah, and I think if you if probably a common mistake is people over-structure stuff and over-manage, especially people who haven't done it before. They think that's what you're supposed to do. It's like people think when you go off to work, you have to put on a suit. Yeah. It's really flawed thinking. If you overstructure and overmanage and uh, you're too um, investigative and obtrusive onto your staff, then you're going to really lock down the results you can get into the minimum possible safety margin. And uh, so you got, they're just going to build in huge buffers and try and avoid taking any risks at all. Yeah. What, what you want to do is open it right up uh, when you've got the right people and they'll they'll blow you away with what they're capable of. And most of the people in my team are superstars and they were probably not even hired for whatever that, that is that they end up being a superstar with. Like the lady who designs my infographics was not hired for that role in the beginning and the, the one who edits my podcasts was not hired for that role. And my website developer uh, was, was my second VA and she was hired to, to uh, you know do articles and transcriptions. So people can really develop and shine if you give them that environment. And remember that pay is not the number one thing. People would much rather be in a supportive environment where they get trained and nurtured. So lots of praise when someone does something good will highlight for them what it is that they've done well so they can do more of that because they'll automatically steer towards that. And also it's important to have a good communication system with your team and we use Slack for that. It allows me to communicate with just the right people, not over-communicate with them and not tie them down with bureaucracy yeah, we shun bureaucracy in our company. Like we we hate having to do reports or paperwork for the sake of paperwork or meetings for the sake of meetings. We have a very lean framework for a, a business of our size. Well, that's just all stemmed from your um, you know, your purpose, which is to break free from tradition and create a structure that works best for you, that allows you to shine, allows your team to shine as well. And I love that Slack comment. I think it's a great link for people to get um, you know, get up to speed with. But the first thing I would say to you guys, once you're inspired by this podcast, you can go back and see the show notes as well and hop onto superfastbusiness.com and you know, find out more about James is trust. Trust the process of what you're doing, trust the teams that you're working with and actually Ask questions. If you're not sure, talk to other people that have virtual teams. You know, go online into forums and spend some time getting educated. Um, you see it as an opportunity to learn and to figure out what skills you really, really need. And before you jump in with both feet and run like a bull in a china shop, just take your time and trust the process that it will work out if you if you do things step by step. So, James, really fantastic. You are the master of creating virtual culture. I think Superfast Business is a really wonderful platform to show people on the size does not mean 
seen necessarily the size of people behind it and um, and being tied up with reports, as you say, and all the sort of bureaucratic ways of working that are limiting creativity and limiting people's individuality inside the workforce, wherever they sit in the world. So thank you so much for sharing your top tips. Where can people head to at the moment if they want to find more about the subject in terms of your stuff or maybe even hire your virtual team? I know I've been looking at that for some of my website stuff. So where, where would you point them? Well, uh, superfastbusiness.com, we have a products tab. And if any of the products there are of interest, then that's a good starting point. You can interact with my team and see what they can produce. In terms of running your own team, we've got lots of infographics and podcasts on the subject. Just use the search box and you'll find a whole bunch of information uh, if you're looking for phrases like virtual team and uh, team, you'll pull up some articles for sure. And I know that you've discussed all the stuff on Superfast Business and your support for online entrepreneurs and business owners, whether they're just starting out or they're you know well on the way from six figures and beyond. So thank you, James, for taking time to do this um, and for structuring some time that we can get a great content and podcast out to our listeners. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. And hopefully we'll have you thank tuned you. in. Maybe I'll see you on the surf in Fiji one day. Oh, it's more than likely. <laughs> well, thanks so much, guys, for tuning in to the Vitality Coach uh, podcast, the Vitality Show, once again, on the Influencer Series with Superfast Business founder James Schranko. You can find more about James on the show notes of the Vitality Coach. Uh, .com.au. I'll be putting links there. I'll also be putting some social links on how you can interact with James and Superfast Business Team online, on Twitter, on social media. Thanks again for tuning in. We'd love to hear your comments on iTunes, your feedback, your reviews, and anything you want to ask. We're here at your service and we can't wait to reconnect with you um, next week. Until next time, stay healthy and happy. Thanks for tuning in. For all the show notes from this episode, tips, tools, and also my eBooks, hop online to www.thevitalitycoach.com.au. As always, health and happiness.